Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome, Sonny, to the Tej Talks podcast. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's great to have you here. We're, we're sitting in your very nice new build property with your, your, your questionable garden. Yes, <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> Which we'll get to later. So yeah, th- <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Thank you for um, coming. How did you and me first meet? I don't even uh, I think. It must have been just through Facebook, right? I, I think, think Aaron, it was through Facebook, yeah. Aaron sort of mentioned to connect with you, right? Yeah. So I think on Facebook, and a lot of people probably listening will know you're quite a positive force mm. and an influence in terms of what you post and how you do things and your kind of brand, right? The Sunshine State of Mind, which is also on his number plate, everyone. So <laughs> if you see this, this is real branding at its finest, right? Um, so like, everyone, not everyone might know, mm. although I did do a video after we met about kind of three tips I learned from you. Mm. What is your story pre-property? Like briefly go from, I don't know, the age of 20 to kind of just before property. Okay. Um, so we've been in property now for, I'd say, <clears throat> coming up to 11 years. Um, so basically we had a retail... We, well, I'm originally from London, Slough. Slough town. Big up, big up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so me and my family, my parents have always been into retail businesses uh, they didn't have anything when I sort of left my job there. I used to be a security guard for British Airways, um, Heathrow Airport, BAA. So I used to do that thinking life was dandy. I was getting paid like 25 grand a year. And I was like, oh, yes. I think I was, what, <coughs> 19, 20 then? I was sort of wow. like, felt rich. Quote. <laughs> um, and then just sat down with my parents and said, look, this is what we want to do. We want to make sort of an empire and stuff and my dad's his main thing was start something now you're young and just picture yourself in 10 15 20 years so don't think it's gonna happen in a year so he sort of drilled that into me from a young age Hmm. Uh, then we looked for retail businesses pretty much up and down the country we're happy to relocate Uh, we saw so from Slough we saw businesses all the way from Southampton up to Scunthorpe and then we came across the one here in uh, Nuneaton just outside Coventry and that was the one that had potential so it was pretty much a rundown convenience store uh, with potential to extend add bits and bobs new services so we took that on uh, then we opened a post office a few years later then for about eight years we had everything and then in, the, in between we were doing buying a buy to let when that was my first deal <coughs> um, then doing flips and then we, uh, probably after eight years, we thought, look, let's sell up now. Uh, we use the money into bigger deals and go full time into property. My parents were ready to retire. And then me and my wife, she works with me as well. So we were doing everything together and we thought we'll go off and do our own thing. Um, and then at year eight, we had an opportunity next door to open a fish and chip shop. So we put planning permission in for that. We thought, okay, cool. Let's, because I, I love retail, I love building businesses, brands. So we thought, okay, it's, it's a bit of a challenge for me. I was getting bored of doing the same thing for eight yeah, years, as you, you do. And you want to use everything you do as a stepping stone. So I thought, okay, cool. I've never done food. So I trained up as a chef, put the planning permission in for the chip shop while it was happening. Uh, that took about a year, I'd say, um, on and off. Put planning in after three months, local complaints, local do's, don'ts. Got fed up, went on holiday. Came back, hit it again. Uh, everything got ready to go. 
and then that opened and then I trained to cook the food and I was in there every day because I knew it's a new business you have to sort of the food that you give to people if you if it's good quality they'll keep coming back and mm-hmm. I knew the local area as well they had seen me grow up from the past eight nine years so it was like Sonny's becoming a chef or Sonny's opening a chip shop so I had a little bit of yeah, pressure yeah, on me yeah. as well uh, my wife she's very attention to detail so she was like it's got to be like this it's got to be like that and then for a full year I spent every single day well Monday to Saturday Sunday was closed every single day in there from I'd say about two o'clock in the afternoon till about 10 in, at night prepping the food cooking the food serving the food like we had staff in there as well so they'd serve I was just the cook um, and then built that business up for a year because I thought I can train somebody to do what I'm doing but the whole plan was to sell the convenience store the post office and the chip shop as a whole so I had to okay. build the goodwill as well. So I put in that graft for a year, didn't go on holiday, didn't do anything, stayed, not stayed away from friends, but just had the odd occasion out, um, just focused solely on that for the end product. So we did that and then put it on the market and then it sold about a year later, which was this time last year. So that would be June 2017. Mm-hmm. So sold that then. Uh, and in that time, we also did a commercial conversion in Sheffield. That was just by chance. Um, oh. I was on holiday in Ibiza. My dad said there's an auction. I said, yeah, we'll get it. And I totally forgot it clashed with those dates. <laughs> I come back and he said, oh, by the way, I bought that pub. So it was a pub. Um, wow. So yeah, so we sold everything last year. And now we've just been in full-time property. And so that one, it was a commercial conversion. So we bought a pub for 75K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we converted downstairs into two retail. So one side's a convenience store. The other side's one of those vape shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then upstairs is two flats. So we've bought that for about 75, put about 90 to 100K in because we had local family around the area as well. <clears throat> we've got most of them to do the work and stuff. Mm. Um, and that's just been on rent since. What's it revalued at? We haven't gone that far yet. Because the thing is, like, when I was doing it then, like, I was more focused on retail, like, my three businesses, Mm. or our three businesses, sorry. And then it was a case of, oh, we've done that property. We put the money into it. It's fine. Like, we still got... Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't aware of the whole refinance thing Mm. and all that kind of stuff. So, in the future, we'll probably look to, if we need to release some equity from that, because... In all honesty, when, when it sold at auction to us for 75k, two weeks later, a local developer called us up and said, we'll offer you 250 for it. Wow. So we thought, hold on, there's something, yeah. there's something in this. It's a good sign for you, yeah. Yeah, and now sitting down with my local, my planning officer and stuff like that in our mastermind power team, he looked at it and he said you could probably get eight three-story townhouses on there. Wow. So hence why, now I know why <laughs> yeah, he wanted to buy it for 250. Yeah. So now we're just in the process of sort of weighing it up. Do we leave it just for cash flow? Do we give notice to everybody? Obviously put planning in, then give notice to everybody and then knock it down and build out. So it's a case of just seeing what the market's like in that area. In my honest opinion, I don't think it's that great, the market there yet. Mm -hmm. So probably just be better off just leaving it. As in Sheffield, right? Yeah. Okay. And so how much rental profit does it bring in a month with the two retail flats? Uh, Roughly. Probably say about four thousand. So in essence, that one deal yeah. has made or could make you or anyone financially free to quite a nice extent. Am I right? Yeah. And so if, if you annualise that, yeah. that's pretty nice. Because everybody's different. Because I was just met with uh, the other day, I met another in- investor that's looking to get into property, and I said to him, "What's your magic number to mm-hmm. get out of 
your day job. And I was picturing him say, like, everybody I speak to, it's five grand and upwards. Yeah. yeah and he said yeah. 1,500 to two grand. And I was just like, and I was sort of thrown, not thrown back, but I was like, <laughs> wow, there's people out there like that would be happy. As you say, this one deal would probably set them up for life. They'd be happy. I mean, and he said he's yeah. easy to, he's just simple life. He's happy. So, yeah. And when it comes to those um, retail units at the bottom, how easy was it to get them let out? Because I don't know, maybe it's a new thing, but I always kind of, I'm always more concerned with retail than you, than I would be with like a residential. Building. It was because when we put the planning permission in for, I can't remember the class use off the top of my head, but there was a local, there's a local spa retailer, you know, the spa convenience yeah, store yeah. around the corner. And now when we put planning in, they put an uproar. Oh, you can't have that. Uh, we're a C store, uh, we're a convenience okay. store, and we're the only ones in the area. There's no need for another one. So we thought, okay, cool. There is probably going to be a demand for this. And then literally once we got the license, we just spoke to local people that my family know. And it was snapped up. Wow. So it was an empty shell. So we gave them a rent-free period. I think it was four to six months. So they could kit it out and wow, all that okay. kind of stuff. It's a good deal. And now uh, they've been in there for a while. Fantastic. And then go back to the um, the chip shop. Mm-hmm. So what's the secret to making crispy chips on the outside but soft on the inside? It's all about the preparation. The whole yeah. thing, I genuinely tell you, <laughs> the whole thing about food is prep. Okay. It's just like if you're cooking at home, you wouldn't just start cooking and just add willy-nilly yeah, whatever yeah, you want yeah. you know what you need to put in when you need to put it in how to do it and it's the same thing with that like i used to have a few friends they had chip shops and i used to say look my chippy opens at 4 30 what time would you say i need to be in there to prep they said an hour before i was like okay cool then i went on this training course for a week i was in leeds mm. recommend it to anybody that's opening something in the future okay. uh, for a week i was there so it was like half classroom training half actual cooking and Nice. Making the batter and peeling the not peeling the chips, but putting putting the potatoes yeah. through the through the peeler through the chipper, and it's all about having the right sort of they're called like formulas. So, for instance, you'd fill a barrel with water, then you'd put a certain amount of um, capfuls of this powder, mix it all in, leave it for fifteen minutes, then drain oh. it. Because basically, the crispier the chip is, it has to be the right dry consistency. So the wetter the chip, the soggier the, the chip ends. So the wetter it is before in the water, the soggier it is. And the wow. quality of potato and the quality of oil and the temperature you're cooking at. So yeah. it's not just one thing. It's like a whole from prep all the way to serving. So top tips for anyone who wants to open up a, a chip shop. There we go. I hope that's helped everyone. And, and also there's parallels with business, right? Like you need your, your broker, your solicitor, your builders all to be... The oil yeah. and the chips to come together too. Exactly, because even like product. our property business that we've got, it's like me, my wife, and a few of our business partners. It's not just me and my wife, we're doing everything. It's a case of, that's what I found. Like when I was doing property with the retail side, we were doing everything ourselves. Like the first buy to let that we bought, it was on at 90,000 or 95, 10 years, 11 years ago. So I wow, can't remember okay. too much. And then I had never bought a house. So I went to view it with my dad. Um, my wife has always said to me, get into property, get into property. And I was always like, nah, retail's fine. Life's good. <laughs> We're busy enough as it is. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's all the way. Property, property. And she'd seen her family members buying bits here and there yeah, in the yeah. early days. And afterwards, they're like, wow, house values. So we went to view it and then came back. And I said to the lady at the, it was right move, uh, your move, sorry. And I said to her, have you had any offers? And there was like six people in the room, like open house viewing. And she said, yeah, we've had full ask of whatever it, 90, 95,000. Um, and then I was like, okay. And I went back and I spoke to a family broker and I said, what shall I offer? I said, they say they've got full ask and I really want this. It's around the corner from our shops. So it's a case of easy management, easy refurb. And he goes, go in at 50. 
And I cracked up. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you taking the mick? Like, really? And he goes, no, going at 50. I said, oh, but what if they say no? Like, I thought that was it. Deal done. What if they say no? Yeah. And he goes, then they'll just say no. And then you you raise your offer. I was like, okay, cool. Called him up, a bit hesitant. uh, And then said, I will offer 50. And she goes, no, sorry. Um, That's too low. Let me call them. Uh, Call me back. That's too low. So I thought, hold on. If it's let me call them. She said there's already been... Um, she would have said no we've got full ask already so she wouldn't call would she yeah well, okay so this is my first experience with estate agents I thought they were all honest <laughs> well they are most of them are but the odd ones they're good ones are yeah you? and then I went back to my broker I said what should I do now like 58 like 62 something like that he goes no 52 I was like it's only 2 grand I said it's 2 grand are you kidding me <laughs> and he goes just do it I was like okay cool I called her and I go 52 she goes let me get back to you call me back she goes yeah they've accepted it so we got that for 52k <laughs> I think it was like a, BMV or something. I know. And it was like a 13, 15 grand probably deposit. And then in fees and all that kind of stuff. See, if you didn't ask, you didn't get. So exactly. And, it, your... and the whole thing from there stemmed that I can do stuff on my own. But like you say, having a good broker, having a good power team around you. If he had not have advised me, I would have probably gone in at 99. <laughs> saying, shit, there's somebody, there's somebody been on there uh, paying more. I'll pay yeah, more than yeah. that. Um, and then from that one, then me and my wife, she were very like hands on. Like mm. any business that we've done, even like for the chippy, I could have easily set all the equipment up, yeah, yeah, for sure. trained somebody up, left it to them. But I wanted to know the ins and outs. So with property, that first one, we stripped the carpets, we loaded the van, took everything to the skip, we painted, we decorated, we we did everything. My dad said he'll help because he's awesome at DIY, and I'm terrible. I'm not gonna lie about it. <laughs> but I said, look, let me try my hand at it myself. And then we had uh, my wife's younger brother. He was on like summer holidays. I think he was like 11 back then. <laughs> and then Love he it. was helping strip the doors and we like varnish this, do that. And wow. he kind of enjoyed it. And now he yeah. still says, he's 22 now. And he says, oh, I remember that time. And I, I sort of got a feel for property and stuff. And I think we probably spent like eight grand on that all in. And how did you finance your kind of first few buy to lets? Because it was quite a small deposit. In, in yeah, because we had the retail. Just, we were saving. saving we, were, we were sensible with money. You'd spend some, you'd save more. And it was a regular income and it was multiple businesses. So it was a case of, but we had like 10 members of staff at the end of it, including myself and my wife and my parents. And it was just like a big operation. Yeah. So getting, getting those kind of, say, it was easy. I enjoyed it. And the whole, the deposit was there and stuff like that. So it wasn't really an issue. And so, so how long ago did you get your first buy to let? about 10 11 years ago so then let's fast forward to kind of more recently mm-hmm. talk me through like a, a deal you've done recently or a project that kind of was quite interesting or maybe shows the progression you've had from those kind of single buy to lets to because i know you're working on some really big things at the moment yeah what have you sort of completed on or completed recently that was so as of said so that so we did those like the commercial conversion that first property that we had we did a few flips in between so we did all that like in the 10 years of having the retail then in this last year, uh, we set up a service accommodation business in Birmingham. So we've got four units there. Um, we joined the mastermind with Lloyd and Andy Cook uh, at White Box. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was, I've always been a key believer. Like, if you want to do something, don't just guess it. Like, get educated, be around that kind of circle of people. And then we joined them in November time last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, that's when everything took off. But okay. since then, we bought a block of 10 flats, bought that at auction, 
Uh, bought that for two seven five. Uh, it didn't sell at auction, mm-hmm. so we went in post auction. Uh, offered the vendor. We all, we went in at two. I think we went in at two six eight or two seventy. Said we'll give you that. He said look two seven five and we'll move. And our limit was two eighty at the auction room anyway, but it didn't sell. Um, so he said okay cool we'll do it at two seven five. So I did that. Um, that we got an in. So basically with that deposit, me and my wife we put that down for the deposit. We got an investor on board for, I think the refurb is about 70K. So we okay. got an investor on board through that, offering them a return on the money supplied. Uh, it'll probably be, we, we say it's going to be a 12 month um, deal mm-hmm. to get refinanced and all the money out. Uh, but we're hopefully looking to do it in 10. Okay, but because nice. it's Christmas coming up, like November, December, January, yeah. we don't really get much done. So it's okay. So it's not, they'll be cash flowing by September, October anyway. So nice. And when you bought them, were they an absolute wreck? Were they okay? What was the kind uh, of state? There still, there's still people living in there. So there's oh, one really? empty. So wow. our plan was even better because we were like, okay, cool. We'll start refurbing the empty one, then just rotate each tenant yeah. into there. And when we bought it, we went there and we told them, look, we're going to give you guys brand new apartments, but the rent will go up. And they were happy with that because they've been in there for like a few years already. And was, so spending that kind of 70K on refurb, did it add enough value that you got your money back out and the rent could go up by enough to make it worth that? Like, could yeah, you I just bought it? The end it? value is going to be around the 480 to 500 grand mark. So there's about 200k uplift in from, from your total in? Yeah. Wow, okay. So, and then with any profit we're going to give to the, obviously we're going to pay the investor back their interest, we're going to pull our cash out and then just, if there's any profit at the end of it, we're just going to leave it in there. And you've given these people brand new homes, which are exactly. probably quite outdated and old. And to be fair, right? we gave a few of them just little odd jobs, just handyman oh, jobs, enough. just to sort of help out and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Because they, one of them, didn't have a job for a few months, so we said, okay, cool, you can come work for us. Oh, nice. Um, so we helped them out there. So yeah, that's the one we done from there. So that was block of ten, and then literally we had a goal. Um, me and my wife had a goal that we want twenty buy to lets by the end of the year or lettable rooms, whether okay. it be buy to let or HMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I teamed up with my business partner Nick Leading and his wife Natasha. And then we said why not go for fifty? Yeah, why not? So so far I think we're well five months after deciding that we're on uh, I think nineteen or twenty buy to lets. And what do you think is rooms? key to your success moving so quickly? Because you're fairly young, mm. moving so quickly and getting things done and getting investment money, like what, if you, there's one thing you had to say, what, what would it be? Would it be relationships? Would it be? Yeah, relationships, be honest, help people. Cause I'm not the most successful property entrepreneur or businessman, what you may call it, but I know enough that I have big goals, big dreams. And along that way, I'm not just gonna be selfish and just try and get there myself. It's a case of mm. helping people along the journey. Whether it be bringing investors on board, whether it be just meeting somebody for coffee, telling somebody my story, inspiring someone. Mm. So I think it's a case, I would say try and work with people around you. That is how you're going to grow. Like you look at all these big companies, Google and I don't know, Microsoft and even car dealerships, Audi, BMW. It's not just one person running it. Yeah, yeah. One person had the vision, then they had added a team, added a team, added a team, grows to a massive number and then that's how you grow. Obviously it has to be organic growth. You can't just start a business, I've got an idea, employ 10 people and you don't know what to do with them. Yeah. So bit by bit, but I'd, I'd say build a team around you. That's the one mistake I did like when I when I had the retail side. Hey, yes, I didn't have the time, but then if I had the right mindset back then, I could have easily deployed people to say, look, you do this, you do that. And it could have, we could have had the retail as well, as well as the property side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And so when it comes to 
kind of what you want to do next. I know you've got that aim of getting 50 lettable rooms, but on the kind of bigger picture in property, is there like a vision? You, you want to build like a 20-story new build somewhere? Like what's your kind of big thing you want to do if there is one? It doesn't have to be one. My vision for property is a case of we've got a few offers in now on um, development sites. So that's always at the forefront. We're always looking for land for development, mainly around the Cambridgeshire area. And because we're meeting new people all the time, they see what we're doing. They come to us saying, do you want to join venture on this? Shall we do this? Okay. So then we say, okay, cool. If they want to do that, then we start building a relationship with them to say, okay, it's going to take, I want to know the person inside out before I jump into bed with them on a deal or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. But we're always looking for land. But then the whole case is, is land isn't that easy to find as well. There is scarcity is out there. Um, so at the same time, hence what we're doing with our own portfolio as well. So just trying to increase that. And then once we're, we're, our aim is probably about, say through property, we're probably wanting about 20 to 30K a month profit. So that's okay, the goal. Whether, whether, yeah, whether it be, say for instance, we're going to make, I don't know, we buy a development and we try and go for the build to rent model. So mm -hmm. we'll build them, refinance them, and then keep all the houses and rent them out yeah, for our own portfolio. It's cheaper that way. But if we can't, if we haven't got the margins on that, then we'll just sell them. So even if we're going to make 200 grand off of a site and it's going to take 15 months, I just normally divide that by from now to 15 months. And I'll say, okay, cool, I'm going to make X amount bit by bit each month, but I'm going to get yeah, paid at the yeah. end. So even if it's something like that, I'd be happy on that front. But then my main goal is after that's set up, which we're in the process of doing now, is setting up a fashion label, a clothing yes. company. Yeah, yeah, we need to talk about the marketing for that as well. Yeah, so it's the case. There's loads of different things I want to do. And it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am money-driven, but not so much like a deal I, and you don't all. Like, you don't come across as someone who's like focused on the money, focused on the deals. You're, I feel like you're focused on the what comes around it, yeah. i.e. the helping people, the networking, the kind of community and relationship aspect, which yeah. at the end of the day, like, will bring you success, like you go straight for money then you might get money but you'll probably actually earn more if you do what you're doing which is all i'm doing is trying to help people bring like i'm a very strong believer like you know about mindset mm. the whole sunshine state of mind it's like anything you have yes it's going to have a negative but flip it always look at the positive yeah. there's always a there's always a solution to a problem and that's my whole thing of helping people and then the whole sunshine state of mind the clothing brand the fashion brand and then we're going to start donating to charities like mental health and depression causes okay. and stuff like that and i just want people like we're all going to die one day and my whole thing is yes we want to build a property empire and stuff like that but my main main goal is when i go i want people to say oh that sunny he helped me in such yeah. and such a way even if it might be like we sit down for coffee and i inspired somebody you know it's about making a difference yeah, in there's too many people out there doing something yes money is good and you need money you can't live without it you can't live with it but it's just Making a difference, that's my number yeah. one priority. And I think from the people's comments on your Facebook post, I think you are making a difference to people. Yeah. And I mean, there's probably a lot of people who don't comment and you're probably making a difference to. I know, to me personally, you have. Yeah. Um, and especially from this podcast, I'm learning a lot and, and I, I know other people will as well. Um, and I know before we touched on like financially free, let's let's take 5K as a, as a number. If you were working, because this is something a lot of new property investors are always wondering, like, well, what's the time frame I should have? Mm. And it's, it's a crazy broad question because it could happen in a year, it could happen in five. Mm. But if someone's working on property full time <clears throat> and they're getting investors, you know, how long, and again, it's with strategies, but let's say they had access to every strategy, SA, HMOs, whatever it is. 
what kind of time frame should new property investors be looking at to kind of get to like the 5k a month mark and again it's again you could happen it could happen in a month with one deal but yeah. you know realistically what do you think new investor should have in their mind a new investor first they need to know oh, what what do they want to get into property for do they want to build wealth do they just want cash flow do they have money to invest there's so many different scenarios that it's not just one sort of answer to say yeah. go down this route like, i know friends who have no money so they go down the route of rent to rent SA or rent to rent HMO. And I know some people within six months, they're on like seven, eight grand profit. So it's a case of how hard you work. And location is very key for those kind of strategies as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Article 4 coming in and yep. like SA and like London, the whole 90 day rule and stuff like that. The whole VAT threshold on that. It's all there's so much to go behind it. But for me, it's a case of we want to build wealth because I always try and meet people that are way up there mm-hmm. above me and everybody that I've met they all say stick to building wealth because that will pay you in the long run property yeah. is a long term game yeah, so even course. for instance like I don't know you can say these 10 flats for instance if somebody was saying okay I want to build wealth and I want to build like a cash flow of two, three, four thousand pound a month even still look into properties where you can add value to them with investor finance if they haven't got any finance to sort of split the profit with them yeah, so yeah, there's so many ways to work, right? There's so many. And I think I was, I was speaking to your, your brokers today, actually. Oh, yeah. And, and in terms of what you just said, with that 75k purchase price, I think a lot of people getting into property with their own money could afford the deposit on that. Mm. If it's bridging, they could probably afford the fees too. Yeah. And I've heard there's some bridges who will give you 100% of the development finance mm. for a, a nice interest rate. But, you know, there's that deal, for example, is quite accessible. Yeah. If you were in the right place at the right time, like, I know I could have done that deal mm. and I could be financially free. Because of how little you spent on it, but how much you're getting out of it. Yeah. And deals like that, do they come often or not? Because to no. my belief, they, they're pretty no, rare, no, no. right? If they did, I'd, well, <laughs> I'd be sat on a beach somewhere right now. Ted, come see me on the beach. We'll do the podcast there. <laughs> no, that's fair but enough. But they are, they, they're far and few. But the thing is, it's like we do it full time. So we're always looking. Always looking, yeah. And we're always telling everyone. That's one thing I say. Tell everybody yes. what you've played. Even yes. the, the pub in Sheffield. My uncle had a chip shop in the parade where the spa shop was around the corner. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, Sonny, um, there's a pub for sale. And now we're based in Neaton, just outside Coventry. We would have been like not even looking in that area. Yeah. We wouldn't know where to start. If we saw a pub for 75k, we're like, sounds cheap, but we don't know the yeah, whole crack yeah. about it. And because we always tell everyone and my uncle there, he knew that we're always looking for property. He said, let's just go down for a punt. Dad went down, 75k, job done. That's the thing, right? It's about who you tell in your network. Like, I know if I had a pub like that, mm. I could turn to you, I could turn to Aaron and Shabazz and be like, hey, yeah. I have no clue, but I think I'm going to purchase this. Mm. I know you guys can help me. Exactly. But that's only because I've got to know you, spend time with you, have a similar mindset to you, right? Yeah. And I think, like, network equals your net worth. Everyone says it all the time. They do. But I it's, never it's used to true. believe it, to be fair. But no? it, I didn't believe it either. Too I was much. like, oh, all this sales. But actually, yeah. 100%. And even for 100%. me, like, the whole networking thing, I don't go out specifically to say, Give me this, give me mm. that. I go out to say, how can I help you? Yeah. Whether precisely. it be whether it be retail, whether it be property, whether it be life in general, mindset. Because I've been there, done that, and I've sort of fixed myself up and I have the right vision and the goal now. And it's all about enjoying today. Like pro- yeah. property can get lonely. Everybody says it that. It will, yeah. So hence why I'm on a mastermind and I'm always meeting my local friends and just trying to inspire people. And the whole thing is, I forgot my food of thought now, where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so you go out to help people, that, that's important. So yeah, and that's all it is. And, and, and I think for new investors, especially when you've got a deal and there's, there's time pressure and all this, and you mm. want to just jump in, you, 
sometimes maybe people do go out like that. Yeah. But helping people is so easy because we all have a value. Like I'm new to property, but this podcast is going to help a lot of people. Yeah. My posts are going to help a lot of people in marketing. Mm. I've not bought a property. I've done one viewing with you, which is pretty fun. Like, no, that was fun, yeah. It was great. And like, funky one. But I haven't, like, I can't tell you the pros and cons of commercial conversion. Like, I know a bit, but yeah. there's still value. And I think new property investors listening, just remember your value because, yeah. like, Sonny wouldn't be where he is if he didn't know his value. Neither would anyone else on my show, right? So that's, again, that's a really important tip offered to help people, right? Yeah. And so another really important thing for newbie investors and, and property developers is where on earth do I find finance from? And it's one of those things where I used to think this and then I kind of met people like you and I, I saw what social media can do. And, you know, I have a friend called Josh Asquith and I'm going to get on the show as well. He started going to just more expensive gyms, more expensive bars, and he mm-hmm. met like serious, serious 100 plus property portfolio investors yeah. just by being in a, the right place at the right time. It is. So it can be as easy as that. But like if you had to give some tips on how to attract investors, maybe not, maybe more practical, like, wh- okay, where should people go? And this could be the internet, could be something like that to mm. find investors. So I'll tell you the way I did it. Mm. Mine was the whole going to networking events and then just standing there quietly thinking somebody's going to approach me and talk to me and tell me the wonderful <laughs> world of property. I did that a few times. I said to my wife, I go, this is rubbish. What's the point? She said, what are you doing? I like, I'm just going to stand there. And she said, well, obviously, it's not going to happen, is it? I And then she said, look, you need to go in with a purpose. Because I, I was always in retail and stuff. I was in that one circle of people. Yeah. So it was a case of just being used to that. Mm. Now going into property... It was a case of going to these events and I was like, okay, what do you, do you sit there and listen to the speaker and blah, 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 enjoy the free tea or coffee and you're out of there. And then I went in each time like thinking, right, I need to speak to somebody that can do this, that can do that. And I want to offer my services of what I can do. Um, but the main thing I would say, the person that helped me with my whole social media and all that stuff is Mark Barrett from uh, Property Tax Advice. Okay. He's on Facebook as well. And I met him once when I was setting up our businesses and stuff. And I said to him, look, I've got these sort of deals and this is what I'm looking to do. And he said, you need to be active on social media. Um, and I was like, I, my whole thing is I don't want to come across on social media as like, ooh, look at me, look what I'm doing, yeah, showing yeah. off. Because I see a lot. Oh, is that why you put the Lamborghini video up, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. That was inspiration. That was inspiration, that was. Lamborghini, that was another story, that was. And he said, just just be the like a face out there of just show people what you're doing, mm. the pros, the cons, what you've learned, what you've not learned, and just try and help people. And he said, I've got investors that would invest in these deals with you. However, you don't have an online presence. You don't have visibility or credibility. Yeah. yeah. And he said, like, he had one guy had a deal uh, for an investor that was overseas. Uh, the investor overseas and the guy like me who had the deal would have both made about a million pounds, I think, something like that profit. And because, and then they started doing their due diligence on the, the deal stacked up all day. Mm. They did the due diligence on the guy that bought the deal to them. Um, and he was nowhere to be found on Facebook, social media. And they just backed out of it. This is why I said, wow, I was like, really? And that sort of opened my eyes. So from then on, I just followed his advice. His advice uh, was on social media a lot, going to networking events. Just, I, I enjoyed the networking events, but I found there were so many people there. You never got a chance to. <clears throat> yeah actually have a full conversation. So then my approach was, I'd see who's doing, join all the Facebook groups and stuff like that, and then see who's doing good stuff, see where I'm sort of looking to go, and then just 
invite them out for a coffee or just go to them, take them out for lunch and then just sit down and have a one-to-one. And I found that very beneficial. Yeah. And then I went on social media like Facebook and stuff like that and just doing, showing people what I'm doing, where I am, giving tips, tricks. And now people like message me privately saying, oh, I you posted this a year ago. It really helped me. Thanks. And it's sort of like, it makes me feel humble. Inspirational, like, man. It's just like, even though I don't know it, but I can't see who's seeing my posts. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it affects everybody in different ways. It does. And actually, you actually had a, a positive influence on me because you put a post about just that saying, message people and say, meet up for coffee. And what did yeah. I do? I messaged you. You did that. You did as well, actually. <laughs> ah, that makes you. sense. See? Yeah. And then from that, I've been doing it to everyone. And that's yeah. how the podcast started. That's how I've met See what I mean? People. It just snowballs then. It does. But and it's like that first step. Again, it's knowing your value. As a newbie mm-hmm. investor, you think, oh, why is he going to meet me for? I'm like, I'm just doing my thing. But you have value. Like, if you were a, a surveyor, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, how are people, what, why are people going to meet me? People are going to want to beg to meet you. If you're a digital marketing agency, dude, people are going to beg to meet you. Exactly. It, there's always value. If you're a gardener, I bet you there's some investors who want to meet you too to get you on board, right? Yeah. So, it, again, it kind of goes back to knowing your value. And another thing, um, when I say go out and help people and be thankful, like when we were setting up our, one of our other investors came through, when we were setting up our service accommodation business, reached out on Facebook, got somebody recommended for the furniture and stuff like that. And I met them, Adam Croft and Eddie Scarlett, recommend them for furniture in Birmingham and up and down the country, super cheap uh, HMO furniture. And basically they were putting all of my furniture in they said we'll bring it all in we'll do this put it in the place take the rubbish away and i was just i liked how helpful they were mm. like before they'd come and measure out the room to say no go for this size bed go for this go for this colored cupboard because it matches the floor blah 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 mm. and they were really helpful and all i did afterwards like whilst they were doing it i went out one of them smoked so i went and got 20 cigarettes for them the other one doesn't so i got them two soft drinks and then i bought a box of chocolates uh, celebrations for their kids and I just gave that to them. And they were really thankful. They were like, oh my God, like you didn't have to. And I said, I just like the fact you guys have been honest. And that's mm. the kind of people I want to be surrounded by. And then built that relationship up with him and then furnished one, two, three, four units. Yeah. And then just meeting up for coffee, going out for drinks at night, Saturday night out. Just the little things, right? Yeah. And then we built that rapport. And then I said to him, oh, I've got a deal I'm looking at. And I just want to meet people that are more successful than me. Do you mind introducing me to your investors for your company? And he said, yeah. Wow. And now the, and those guys, when I sat down with them, uh, Sharon Beatler and her husband, they just inspired me. They invest in, in all sorts of ways and their, their recommendations on property were priceless to me. So it's all case, like it all stemmed from... It stems from 10 quid, literally, uh, on some treats. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that, that's the cost of business, but actually your ROI yeah. is already hundredfold because of who you've met right rather than trying to haggle them down on the price i was yeah, actually appreciative yeah. okay cool these guys are they give you a good service then yeah you know if they didn't then it's a different story but that's how easy you can meet investors right that's how you know it's right place right time telling everyone what you do being helpful being friendly yeah. um and just again being yourself as well if you're trying to be someone you're not like it's, people will see pretty quickly right mm. Mm. and like this again is a really broad question and I know you work in a few different areas and I know you're kind of open to other areas too. Mm-hmm. But what are your kind of thoughts on the market in your areas or even the market of property investment in general? Do you see any trends coming through? Are you getting affected with certain things or? Us personally, we're not getting affected, touch wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do see it will, there will be a correction soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know how soon, but I'd, I'd like see, I'd sort of do like research and see what people are saying they say it happens every x amount of years yeah. and stuff like that so i think it probably will be coming soon ish 
Don't quote me on that. <laughs> well, you've said it now. Oh, that's it. So it's official. Um, <laughs> but I genuinely like where we are. It's not affecting, so we're okay, okay. on that. And we sort of we look at sort of deals where realistically we think, okay, cool. They we're building houses or converting flats and stuff like that. And if uh, they value at the local market area what they are, we try and a get the building of the land cheap or at the right price at the start, or we just sort of have that little buffer just in case something happens to sort of help us out. And how important, because I know you've got your mastermind, so you're probably going to say very important, but how important is having a mentor? Because when we start in property, we always think, you know, Google's great, books are great, Mm. you know, um, we've got people like you, friends in our network who will hold us accountable. Mm. How important is it to have a mentor or a mentorship group when you start? Because now you've got one when you've had a bit of experience and it's kind of propelling you, but when you start, is it as important as now? Yeah. I'd say 100. It depends what you want to do as well. Like, for instance, the gentleman I was speaking to, he said two grand a month. You could probably achieve that within the year, I'd guarantee that. To yeah. be fair. Working with the right people, mm. having the right circle around you. And then if he's content with that, there's no need for a mentor for them. Yeah. But it's, it depends what you want to do. If you want to be successful, always surround yourself by people that are more successful than you. Yeah. And you, it's like healthy competition. Your friends, your family, but you're still got that little sort of you need someone to kind of spar with yeah, to get better yeah exactly with. and for me it was a case of I'll surround myself with people I want to learn about developments I can't put a TV on the brick wall but <laughs> now I know I've got the right team around me to build houses mm. so having them around you is super important but like even like mentor like some people can't afford mentors so maybe just reach out to somebody or like a, you never know tell everybody what you're trying to do and even like friends just sat there might recommend something to you well why don't you look at it this way yeah, and then yeah. when you're in the position to afford a mentor and stuff like that, if that's if you want to propel in a certain way, then get one. Like for us, like we've been with the white box for since November, December. So what is that? Six, seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still continue to go there every month. It's the people that you meet as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, everybody in that room on that day is in the same boat. If you've paid for something, you're, you're generally more serious and more committed, right? So yeah. the people who go there are going to be slightly different. It's like going network, free networking events or £20 networking events where you're trying to figure out who's got what, who's doing who and stuff like that. But the people like in that room, you get to know each other month on month out. Yeah, so the whole thing I say about building relationships, joint ventures can come. Like only now, last week, I had one of the guys say, do you want a joint venture on a deal in Birmingham? Nice. So that's a block of flats. So we sat down and saying, okay, cool, let's do okay. something like that. Um, the other month, uh, there's two guys sat there. We've got 120 grand each, but we haven't got anything to invest in. Two people are like, okay, we've got a deal, but we need the funding. And boom, within five minutes. Well, not within five minutes. Obviously, they built that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, built yeah, that yeah. six month relationship, but within five minutes of that coming up, that means you've got a good, there was a match. Good relationship. Yeah. You, you weren't in two minds. So no, it's, no, I'd say it's very important. I think from that, you never know who has money. Yeah. You know, if someone's wearing scruffy clothes, if they'd have a certain job or certain thing, I think it's normal for us to judge people. Mm. But actually, you'll find that the people you probably think have the least money probably have the yeah. most money. Exactly. And age is not a determinant anymore as well because Hell there's no. YouTube millionaires at 18, oh, no. Kylie Jenner, isn't she the richest nearly billionaire? And she's like, I don't know, yeah, I still, still doubt that self-made bit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she's definitely not famous <laughs> on other things. But um, like, there's always, you know, people who have money and I think, yeah, don't ask for it straight away is, is, yeah. is the most important thing. And the whole there. thing about being around those kind of people, my as I go every month and as I speak to people like throughout the month and stuff like that, I figured out actually why am I doing what I'm doing? Like where do yeah. I want to go? And then the whole clothing, the whole mindset, the whole yeah. 
donating to charity and leaving the sort of legacy and helping people that's yeah. all stemmed off of the back of a mastermind mm. because I feel comfortable in my property business I can concentrate on stuff like that and now my wife she's taken over that side of the business mm. so she's solely doing everything on there so she'll be coming to you for tips as well 100% me I'm always, um, always available so Sunny, we've reached the last part of the show Oh no! I know. I know. You want to stay here for hours, don't you? I can tell. I can see your diary. Your diary looks empty as well. So you know, hey. you're not. You're not. <laughs> um, so it's called a quick fire round, right? Three by three. Cool. So I'm gonna ask you three questions, and I want like really kind of brief, top level, quick fire answers. Mm-hmm. So, what are the biggest? No, no pressure. No, no. You're, you're professional, <laughs> man. You're professional now. What are the biggest three mistakes you've made in property? Uh, biggest three mistakes, I would say, not building a team quick enough not having ballsy goals enough. Like I used to say, like for instance, the whole 20 vitalettes and then sat down with people. That was so, basically we got 20 vitalettes, but because we sat down with the team that we've built, it was like, sod it, let's go for 50. Uh, so that's sort of building a team, setting goals, and just mindset. So mm-hmm. I'd say change your mindset. Anything is achievable. Don't, don't let anybody around you. Actually, no, I'll sort of replace that. Change your bloody circle. Change your circle of people. Yeah. Genuinely, that is a big thing. Because I did the same thing, stepped away from everything and just focused on where I want to go. Sort of broke it down each day. Like, is this action I'm doing today going to help me get to where I want to get? My health wasn't in the right place. So I focused on that and all that kind of stuff. So it's... Uh, yeah, no, completely agree. I've done that. I've like replaced my network as bad as it sounds. It, it, it's for the benefit of everyone. Yeah. Um, and then what would be your top three tips for sourcing good deals? Sourcing good deals, A, again, tell everybody what you do mm-hmm. because you'd be surprised how many people would be like, oh, Sonny, I didn't even know you was in property. There's a pub on the corner, you can buy one. Yeah, I know. Uh, so speaking to people, um, networking, mm-hmm. and try like the whole thing, you can try and source them. There's so many, there's like nine, ten different ways of sourcing land. I won't bore you with that now, but phew, tell everybody and then also just like try and team up with other sources as well mm-hmm. so speak with them don't don't just be like oh if i find a deal i want to keep it myself yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that might be your thing but if you're speaking with other sources that are doing the same thing it's just like you calling up loads of different estate agents they they sell houses yeah, yeah, yeah. but calling up different sources they source land and houses mm. below market value so try and work collaborate with people that's the word okay. collaborate perfect and you have quite a nice brand on facebook and we, we touched on that earlier for people new to kind of social media, what are your three tips for building a brand? Building a brand, A, it has to mean something to you. Mm-hmm. B, it needs to have a story, a meaning behind it, mm-hmm. and a purpose. And oh. something that you'd see yourself, I don't know, wearing, whether it be clothing, makeup, whether it be, yeah. you know, there's something, something that you, you would can, want to rock yeah. and be proud of. Exactly. Cool. Well, it looks like it's been a fantastic podcast. I Thank think uh, people can definitely enjoy this one. There's lots of lessons there. You've had such a quick progression and an interesting uh, career as a chippy into to what you're doing now and so look, thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it thank you for having me if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content